You are listening to audio from the Creek Church. If you would like more information about the Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. How are you? Good, good. Hey, uh, my name is Alec. I'm the student pastor here at the Creek Church. And uh, this morning we're going to be back in Luke 8. But before we do that, I just want to uh, give you a couple little updates about the church and some other stuff going on. Just just in case you didn't catch it, um, this weekend is promotion weekend. So just a heads up, um, if you have a child, make sure that they moved up or they're going to be in a group that they don't know at all with a bunch of children who are younger than themselves. So um, just, just make sure they move up. And then the second thing that that means as promotion weekend is that this Wednesday is the kickoff for our student ministry for the fall. Um, just an opportunity to come get to connect with our ministry. Um, we're going to have a donut wall. We're going to have um, Steel City Pops. It's going to be um, literally like Sparta madness in this place. So um, make, make sure you tell a student, high five a student, let them know what's coming. It's going to be awesome. Outside of that, um, I just wanted to let you know some other news. Um, you guys, and by that I mean my church family at the Creek, um, have gotten to walk with me uh, through some life changes over the past six months, right? Y'all have seen me um, start a new job right here, which was awesome. Um, you, you guys have seen me get married, which was also pretty cool. And then um, in the past couple of months, there's been someone trying to break into my life and my home and my family. I, I just want to show you a picture of that person really quick. Yeah. So that's a... That's pretty cool, right? That's awesome. I'm excited. I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, just, just to be totally honest, we get to kick them out on Wednesday night, the children, and so I don't have to deal with that. But now uh, I'm going to learn all about that insanity. Uh, just for the record, thank goodness that's one baby, not two. Somebody asked that earlier. Just the same child. But um, So please, hey, covet, 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 covet your prayers. Um, covet your coffee in about eight months. But, uh, but, but it's, it's an exciting thing. And so uh, just feel free to pray for me and, and Lindy as we move into this new season and, and all that's going to come with that. So it's, it's awesome. Um, this morning, we are going to be back in Luke. Uh, we're going to be in Luke 8, verses 16 through 21. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and flip there. Uh, it's going to be a good time. So while, while you're turning there, just to catch you up, um, Jesus has been... Uh, kind of moving from village to village, teaching and preaching the Word of God and, and demonstrating who He is through uh, miraculous signs and healings and wonders. And, and as He's doing this, He's got His disciples with Him. He's got a big crowd of people with Him. And then um, He's got some women who He's healed uh, over time, who He's um, actually put, put demons out of, like all kinds of crazy stuff in the Bible. Um, and, and then last week, we kind of ended on the parable of the sower. Um, if, if you're curious, you can go read that. Um, but, but we can also look at that in Mark 4 or Matthew 13 um, with, with almost identical language. And, and then today, we're going to pick up in verse 16 of Luke 8. So let's, let's flip there really quickly. Verse 16. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. 
Take care then how you hear, for the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who is not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. And then um, we're going to kind of transition into this different part of the passage, super seemingly different. We'll come back to that at the end, but we're going to spend just a little bit of time on it at, at the beginning. And here's, here's what it says. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. And so um, just, just really quickly, here's what happens. Jesus is preaching and his, and his mom and his brothers show up. And, and here's, here's what we expect to happen. Like, like if somebody... Um, if we were totally full in this room and my mom showed up in the back, you know what I'm going to do? Hey, hey, Tank, sorry, buddy, we're, we're out of seats, dude. We're totally full. Mom, come on, got your seat down here. Like, like and that's, that's kind of what we expect Jesus to do, to give some kind of special favor to his family, to his earthly family. Um, and, and at the end of the day, he doesn't, right? And, and we don't know exactly why they're visiting um, some commentaries suggest that it was because they wanted Jesus to come back to Nazareth to kind of um, do some healing, do some miracles around their own family, which would be really cool. Some commentaries suggest that they wanted um, Jesus to prove that he was really the Messiah, the Son of God, and they had just come to see him. Um, some just say um, they were just visiting because they were his family. They just came to hear their boy preach. And so um, we don't know what the reason is, but here's what we do know. By the beginning of Jesus' ministry, um, no one in his family believes that he's God. <laughs> Nobody believes he's the uh, Messiah, the Savior coming into the world, the, the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sins of the world. Um, they don't believe that about him. But by the end of his half-brother James' life, James is actually going to write a book of the Bible. That, that's, a, that's a transition, Right? And, and so we see um, his family moving towards faith. We don't know if it was at this moment or during this time, but, but we see that. The other thing that we see in this text is that Jesus clearly makes a difference between his earthly family and his heavenly family. And, and here's, before we move into this, here's what I want you to hear. Your earthly family is massively important. You have a responsibility, according to the Bible, to be the primary disciple, if you're a parent, to be the primary disciple maker in your home. And, and that's not me. That's not the student pastor, right? I, I want to equip you guys. I want to help you walk through that. But ultimately, whether you have a child or a teenager, your responsibility is to disciple them. And so um, your earthly family is important. You are called husbands to, to water your, uh, to rather wash your wife in the water of the word. And so, man, your, your families are important. Don't hear me not saying that. But Jesus is going to say your heavenly family is actually more important. And, and here's, here's where that matters. Here's what that means. That Jesus is inviting us in and saying, anyone who hears the word of God and seeks to faithfully live those commands out is now a part of a family, which means that anyone in this room who has a, an absent father 
now has a present father in God the Father. Anyone who is a um, distant brother, maybe you've got some estrangement in your family, maybe politics got weird last year, you have a present brother in Jesus Christ. If you don't feel like you have a family at all, man, you're adopted, you were um, sent a different direction, maybe you live far away from your family, you have a heavenly family here in this room. And that's going to get really important as we get to the other half of this passage, but, but you'll see that in just a minute. So for now, let's just flip back up to verse 16. Here's what we're going to do. Two really obvious verses and then kind of a complicated verse. Is that okay? Y'all, y'all good with that? Cool. Okay. We're quiet this morning. That's okay. Uh, it's, it's the rain. We'll blame it on the rain. Um, verse, verse 16 says this, no one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. Really obvious truth, right? You you don't hide a light. Nobody has a light in their cupboard. I mean, maybe you do, but it's for decoration. I I don't know. Um, Nobody takes a bowl and puts it over a light because that would be silly. This is um, put it under a bushel, no language, right? So Jesus is saying, hey, if you've got a light, pretty simple, um, don't hide it. Now, I know um, I know that that's popular at weddings. Like, we'll put it in a mason jar. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Um, Jesus is talking about, uh, literally, don't hide the light that I've given you. And then um, he follows it up um, by saying something about it being bringing things into the light. But here's, here's what he's saying. This is on the end of the parable of the sower. And the parable of the sower is all about this um, farmer who, who goes to seed his crops. And he's scattering seed, which represents the word of God. And as he's scattering, some of it falls on hard land or dry land or um, land that, where it's going to be swept away uh, for a variety of reasons. And, and ultimately, that, that, that seed doesn't bear fruit. But then at the end of the passage, he points out that um, for the seed, the word of God that lands on good soil, it's, it's actually going to bear fruit. And he ends the passage by saying, as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. And so what Jesus is saying in this passage is, if you have had your heart metaphorically lit, right? If you've had your lamp lit, then you are in the good soil and you are seeking with everything in you to live according to the word of God. And in that, you're going to start to light up the room. As you light up the room, things are going to look a little bit different for people. You, you may see some things you didn't know were there, right? But, but ultimately, as you light up the room, people are going to be able to see differently as they see the light that you're giving off. Does that make sense so far? Pretty, pretty simple? So, so here's what that means. That as people look at you and as people see your life, God's light in your life is going to allow people to see differently. The way that you've experienced God, the way that he's transformed your life is actually not just going to stop at you, but it's going to transform other people's lives. And so here's what that looks like. As you understand God's love for you, as you understand that you now have a new eternal position, 
Um, it, it, no longer under wrath, but under grace, and that now you can follow Christ effectively. And, and as you understand, man, that that should not just transform your heart and your mind, but should actually move you to love and live differently, that's going to impact the way that other people around you see the world. It, it is. Here, here's what that looks like. Here's what that looks like. If you're a believer in this room, you never again have to say the words, I need to get right with God. You never have to say that again. Because you know, if you're a believer, that you can't get right with God. <laughs> like you, on your own natural ability, skills, goodness, whatever, will not make you right with God, but rather, God made you right with himself through Jesus Christ. He has made you right with himself. And so because of that, as you start to understand that, here's what's going to happen. Your heart and your desires, the things that you're after, the things that you want to do and the things that you don't want to do are actually going to start to shift. And, and you're going to experience this new level of personal holiness. And, and let me just stop and say, some of you are content with just stopping at personal holiness. Like as long as God cleans up my life, we're good, right? But here's what God is doing. He's going to move you beyond holiness, beyond personal holiness, into becoming a sin-freed, person-pursuing man or woman on fire with the gospel and on a mission for the glory of his name that you might bring renown to his name by sharing the goodness of his truth with everyone that you come into contact with. He is after you so that you might be after other people. And that's beautiful. That's a, like, as God changes your heart, it's going to be awesome and awe-inspiring for people to watch. God is not after a tiny remodeling of the bathroom of your life. He is leveling the house and building it anew. He is building you again from the ground up. And that's going to be painful and beautiful and awesome. And as people gather around to watch it, man, they're going to be amazed and go, well, I see the world differently because I've come into contact with that person. This is Moses coming down the mountain after Exodus 34 and his experience on the mountaintop. He comes down glowing from his experience with God and all of the people are scared and don't know what to do with him. And, and here's what that means. That, that when you have an experience with God, you may not be able to explain it entirely. People may look at you and not know what happened. It, let's just be real. Sometimes our own family doesn't ex understand our experiences with God. Is that, is that fair? Just my family? And so as you interact with them, they're going to see something different. And it's not just going to be a transformation in you but it's gonna slowly start to transform the way that they see the world. And it's going to slowly transform the way that they understand who God is and, and who believers are called to be because of who you are. And, and just really quickly, if we're honest, that, that's why we've got some church hurt. Because someone somewhere along the way in church did not model what it means to be a believer for us effectively. And we got wounded or or modeled who God is in a way that God is not. And so we got hurt by that. And, and I'm, I'm hurting with you. I've got some of that. But, but it's now our job to be ambassadors 
for Jesus Christ and, and what the, the Bible's gonna call ministers of reconciliation, bringing people back together with the Lord. And, and so our job is to move forward from that and actually shine our light and shine our lives into people in such a way that they now have a correct understanding of God's love for them. It's a responsibility. It's a huge responsibility, but we're called to it. And so as we do this, the the question for us is, when do we do what Jesus is warning about? When, When do we actually cover up areas of our life where light was meant to shine out? When, when do we put a jar over the truth that God has inside of us and, and not let it escape? Um, I think we do it in two ways. Um, the first is simply this. It's when we make our faith private. When we make our faith private. And, and, and before we get into this, like, hear me, I am not advocating for you to get on Facebook and repost someone's status that says, like, if you repost this, you'll go to heaven. If you don't, you know what happens, bro. Like, that's not, that's not what I'm suggesting at all. And I'm not suggesting that you get up on a desk in your cafeteria at work and go, good morning, sinners. Like, don't, don't do that. That's going to be weird. But, but you are called to, to not have a private faith because Jesus didn't have a private love for us. He, he came after us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so we pursue and we are open about our faith, not, not obnoxious or crazy about it, but, but men, we're open. And so, so maybe what that looks like in your workplace is slowly pursuing actual relationships with people in a hope that God would open a door. And then as that door opens, man, you just need to have the boldness to walk through it. God's with you in it, but, but you've got to wait for that moment, and you've got to wait for him to open the door. And then as it does, man, you just be willing to walk through the door and go, hey, can I just tell you what God did in my life last week? Can, can I just tell you, or, or maybe it's a conversation about a movie or a book where you somehow tie in the gospel, there are lots of ways to have those conversations. We can talk about that later, but, but ultimately, we've got to get beyond a private faith because a private faith is really a compartmentalized faith. Here's what I mean. If you have a compartmentalized faith, what that looks like is you've said to the Lord, you can come this far and no farther. Or, or yes, I'm a Christian at church, but in my family, that doesn't actually apply. I don't need to talk about the Lord there. That's for church. Or in my workplace, I don't need to actually share about what the Lord is doing in my life. That, that's for my small group. And, and so some of us are, man, we are like, when we're at church, we are lions. We are ferocious with the gospel. We're ready to tell people what's going on in our life. Let me tell you what the Lord did in the word for me this morning. And everywhere else, we're house cats. We're house cats. We're afraid. We're timid. And, and look, I get it. That's, it is a terrifying thing to move from a private faith to a public faith. And, and I get that maybe you've been there, but it's, it's time to slowly move past that. It's time to slowly move past that. Because ultimately, we need to be shining our light so that the world can be transformed by the glory of God, for the glory of God, that his name might have great renown. We need to make him great and glorious. And to do that is going to require us 
to remove a couple jars. The second way that I think we block the light or, or put a bowl over the light is hypocrisy. It's hypocrisy. Um, it's when you say something, uh, but you do something entirely different. And, and um, before we get into this, let me just say, hey, we're, we're all in this boat at a certain level. I'm just being real. We're all at a certain level hypocrites and guilty of hypocrisy. But, but that's something that keeps us from actually fully sharing the light of God. And so Jesus said it this way, um, for nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest in verse 17, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. And so what we can understand about God's light is that God's light reveals hidden things, reveals hidden things. I, I understand it this way. Um, anyone ever had their wisdom teeth out? <laughs> delightful experience. Am I right? Yeah. Terrible. It's, I mean, it's just one of the most painful, obnoxious. I didn't even get dry socket and I still have nightmares about getting my wisdom teeth out again. They can't take them again. Thank, thank you, Jesus. But um, ultimately, I, I remember going to the dentist and at my dentist, um, they gave me two options. They said, you can either um, be completely knocked out and, 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 you know, wake up and make a funny video or whatever, or um, you can actually go through it conscious. And if you go through it conscious, you won't feel a thing. Um, you'll, you'll just glide right through this thing, and, and actually you'll recover more quickly. And so I hate the dentist, y'all. I'm just being real. If you're a dentist, like, God loves you. We just need to keep our distance from each other um, because I struggle with going to the dentist. And, and I remember going, and, and I was just like, well, I just want to be done with this thing. So, so I chose to do it consciously, which is a terrible decision, but um, I, I walked through this thing, and, um, and I, I just want to be real about my experience. The dentist has some awesome drugs, you guys. Like, I don't want to make any stu- anybody stumble in this room, but like, I felt great, you guys. Coming out of the dentist, man, I was just like, this is great. I don't feel a thing. There's no pain here. This wasn't even as bad as people told me. And, and I literally got into the car with my roommate Blair at the time. And, and, and I look at him and go, we got to go to Whataburger, dude. <laughs> we we got to go. I feel awesome, man. Let's, let's go get a burger. Let's chow. Like, let's go hang out. And, and he goes, have you seen yourself? <laughs> I had not. I had not. And so to, to my chagrin, I pulled down a mirror in my car, and a bloody chipmunk stared back at me, which was terrifying. And, and like, I mean, you know the, like, huge cheeks, massive, I mean, just like, I'm not trying to get graphic, but just blood and guts, and it's just nasty, y'all. And, and here's, here's the reality, is until I saw the mirror, I had no idea anything was wrong. No idea anything was wrong. And what Jesus is saying in this passage is when you turn a light on, don't be surprised if you see some things you didn't know were there. Don't be surprised. Because as the Holy Spirit and the gospel illuminate your life, you're going to see some things you didn't know were there. Some of those things are in Scripture, and they're really good. Some of those things are awesome. Jesus actually said, hey, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing because your father who sees you giving in secret will reward you in heaven. That's awesome. Here's what that means. Anytime you've bought Wendy's for somebody, like in the line and they're behind you, like God saw that. That's awesome. Every good deed that you've done in the dark will come to light. It's 
great. However, <laughs> there's also, as, as you're already aware, I'm sure, some things that are done in the dark that, that are sinful and wicked. And God says, hey, those things are going to come into the light. Whether you want them to or not, they're going to be revealed. And that may be at judgment day. It may be when your wife exposes you, when your family figures something out. I mean, like that stuff, that darkness, it's coming into the light, like whether you want it to or not. And, and here's the cool thing. I'm not going to leave you in this long, but, but I do want you to feel that, that, that to know that God is omnipresent, which means he, he is everywhere, all the time, all at once, everywhere. I know I said everywhere twice, but I want you to feel that. And, and so space and time are not an issue for the Lord. He's not sitting in heaven wondering like, man, I wonder what's happening in Australia right now. Like he's not, that's, that's not what the Lord, Holy Spirit, go check it out. Like that's not, that's not happening. He, he knows, he knows. And, and here's what's crazy about the Christian faith is that not only is God omnipresent, but the Bible actually says that if you're a believer, that the Holy Spirit now resides in you. 1 Corinthians 3.16 actually says it this way. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? And, and so this just makes hypocrisy useless. Useless. Because ultimately, God isn't just in the room with you. <laughs> he, he is inside of you. Like he sees the thoughts forming in your heart as you even think about what could lead to temptation and as you think about um, what could lead to sin and then as you act on sin. He's not just a distant God sitting on the sidelines. He's not even a God who's just watching from above. He is with you intimately. He's inside of you. And so this just makes hypocrisy totally useless. But, but here's the really good news is that God won't leave you alone in that. He won't leave you alone in your sin. He comes after you. And there's nothing that could separate you from him. Actually, Romans 8 says it this way. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons. Neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, nor even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. That includes your sin. So God isn't looking at you and going, I, I don't know about helping this one. I, I don't know. I mean, he messed up really badly, so I don't know. No, you cannot be separated from the love of God. Um, another writer said it this way, no power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ I stand. And I know everybody who's been waiting for a hymn to happen here for a long time just was like, yes, baby. But, but here's the deal. You cannot be removed from the love of Christ even by yourself, by your own sin. Nothing can separate you. Nothing. And so that should move us to worship. That should move us to following more affectionately. But, but here's what Jesus says that that should lead us to. 
Take care, verse 18, take care then how you hear. For the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who is not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. And so remember, those first two verses were pretty simple. That's a pretty complicated verse. Um, But here's what it's saying, and and I'll, I'll explain this more a little more in detail. Spiritual momentum matters. Your spiritual momentum matters. When we look at complicated verses in the Bible, um, one of the things, hermeneutics 101, that we do to understand those verses is we look at all the places in the scripture that say something exactly like what we just heard, right? Pretty simple. Um, Obviously, we can see this as the parable is echoed in Matthew and Mark, but the other place that we see this exact wording almost is in Matthew 25, and it's um, a parable. It's the parable of the talents. Maybe you've heard of it. Here's how the story goes. A rich landlord leaves his land, and he leaves three servants in charge of it. The first guy, he gives five talents to. The second guy, he gives two talents to. The third guy, he gives one single talent to, each according to their ability. And as he leaves, um, he's expecting them to make something of what he's given them. And, and the first guy um, invests it, and he, he actually has five more by the time the master gets back. And the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. The second guy invests it, gets two back. Well done, good and faithful servant. The third guy, however, um, because in his words, knows that his master is someone who reaps where he does not sow, he buries the talent, this amount of money. And when the master comes back, he tells the master, hey, I was scared of you, so I buried what you gave me. Here's your one talent back. And the master literally says, you wicked and slothful servant. Give your money to the one who has 10, and then he casts him out of his land forever. And in that moment, um, what we're seeing communicated is this same message, because he ends it with, take care then how you hear, for the one who has more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. What Jesus is communicating is that God cares what you do with what he gave you. God cares what you do with what he gave you. And so your spiritual momentum with what he's given you actually matters. What Jesus is saying is that what you do with what he's given you is where you're going to end up. In other words, if I, um, if I drive, if I decide today, like I'm gonna drive to Houston, and then I drive four hours south, where am I gonna end up? Conroe. Yes, that's absolutely correct because traffic. But eventually, eventually I'll get to Houston. I'm, man, solid. Um, well, hey, well done. I'm just, wow. Okay. Um, so headed to Houston. Um, gonna eventually get to Houston. Probably gonna stop in Conroe because there's a bucket there. But um, eventually I'll make it. And, and here's the point, man, where you're headed is where you're gonna end up. Um, and so now in, in my life, um, when, when I walked into the hospital the other day, I, I got to um, see the sonogram of my child. I don't know if you've ever been to a sonogram or if you have a kid. Like, my gosh, incredible. Like, I, I don't even understand. You get to hear the heartbeat of your child. And, and here's what that did to me. Here's what that did to me. It means from then on, everything that Lindy eats the amount of sleep that Lindy gets, 
whether or not I've done the chores at home, those things become infinitely more important because that baby is on a physical momentum to life. And and he or she is headed that direction and it now becomes my job to do whatever I can to make sure that that baby comes to fruition. I am intimately invested in the life of that child. And here's what's interesting. We can easily see the importance and value of that in a physical baby. But some of us, and I'm just being honest, are baby believers because we have not invested in anything that would cause us to spiritually move the ball forward. And we have no momentum and we're going nowhere and we're exactly where we were on the day that we got saved. We're exactly where we were. And Jesus is saying, where you're headed, that's what you're gonna get. If you pursue the Lord, if you pursue holiness and faithfulness and gentleness and kindness and self-control, guess what you're gonna get? Those things. You're gonna end up with more and more and more and more and more of God. However, if you pursue sin, if you pursue the things that only edify the body but in the light of eternity are meaningless, then at the end of the day, you're going to get more and more and more and more of those things that don't matter. They just don't matter. Don't lead you anywhere. And so your spiritual momentum matters. But here's what's really cool. It is difficult to impossible to, to run in the dark, but it's easy. It's easy to run in the light. It's easy to run in the light. Here, here's, here's how I know that. Um, it's impossible to walk in the dark, you guys. I, I got up <laughs> I got up at like three in the morning the other night, right? And <laughs> like tripped over my dog. Like there aren't toys anywhere, but somehow I tripped another three times before I got to the restroom. Um, I'm, I'm just gonna be real with you guys. Missed the toilet, like didn't even realize that. And, and just, can I, can I go there? Is that cool? And I don't know, we'll find out. There are elders here, so I'm sure we'll find out. But um, ultimately, ultimately, hold on. It is difficult and dangerous to, to walk in the dark. It, it is. But if the light had been turned on, man, it's easy. It's easy. And here's what the light represents. Freedom. Freedom. The book of Hebrews describes that which entangles us as sin. And so here's what I know. Some of us are in this dark season or when we're in this dark sin or we've got something hidden in our lives, quote, hidden in our lives, right? But we've got something going on that nobody knows about. And here's the beautiful truth. We have a God who lights up our world and he does not just light it above us because he's sovereign and he doesn't just stand beside us with a light because Jesus is our brother, but as the Holy Spirit, he lights up our hearts and that transforms us. And as it transforms us, we will light the room and change people's lives. And so we drag that darkness into the light. And, and ultimately, here's what's really cool. We talked about at the beginning of this sermon. You have, I don't care what your earthly family is like, you have a heavenly family here who is willing to walk with you out of hell and into God's light. And man, we so 
want to see you walk in freedom because it is difficult to run in the dark, but it's easy to run in the light. And so today, man, we can step out of hypocrisy. We can step out of darkness. We can bring those things to light. They might be things we just found out about, but as we bring them into the light, God is with us, for us, fighting for us and interceding on our behalf at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And that's beautiful. Let me pray for us. God, we love you, and we just thank you that, God, you, you aren't somebody who stands on the sidelines and hopes that we'll get better. But God, you are a God who is after us, who pursues us, who loves us, and is willing to step into this world that we might know you and be walked towards healing, to be walked towards freedom. God, you've given us a family. God, you've given us your word. You've given us the Holy Spirit. You've given us everything, Lord. And so, God, it's, it's our job now to respond. And so if there's, if there's somebody in this room, God, who, for whatever reason, is living a life of darkness, has something, quote, hidden. We, we acknowledge that you see it. We acknowledge that you are intimately aware of it. And God, I just ask right now that you would give boldness to anybody walking in that, to, to step out of hypocrisy and to step into the glorious light and healing and hope that you have for us, God. And then, God, I just ask that as we begin to do this, God, that you would transform us from being content to just have our personal holiness changed um, to, to being people who are passionate about bringing people into your light, that we would be people who would step out of here ready to share the gospel, share your love, and bring the truth and light of your glorious name into other people's lives. God, make us into those people because we can't do it on our own. So God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast, or if you have any questions, you can email us at info at